You're listening to the Great Day in Sales Podcast, brought to you by Alicia. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Great Day in Sales Podcast. I'm Justin Ashby. Very excited to have all of you listening and very excited for our esteemed guest today, Gabe Lulo. Very excited. He's leading quite the org at Alleyoop. Uh, you know, an, an SDR agency, but really taking it to the next level and have a lot of talent across the globe. And uh, I won't share their clientele list, but some of the biggest tech organizations across the country are customers of theirs. So they have the accolades to show how successful they are. Gabe, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Justin, I'm a huge fan and I appreciate you, uh, you know, putting this together. I'm excited to be here and, and I'm looking forward to get, you know, pretty tactical. We've been talking for a while and it's, it's exciting that we are able to finally get on this. Uh, I'll get a recording together. So I'm excited to get into it. Excellent. Yes. No, I, it, I love, I feel like uh, every time we have a guest, it's just the chat beforehand is very fun. So hard to, hard to remember to hit record, but we did that. So we said, okay, let's stop the chit chat. Right. Let's hit record. Um, Gabe, why don't you give us uh, kind of a quick background? You are CEO, yeah. you're leading this organization. Um, walk us through kind of your, you know, your sales background, what brought you to this place and why it's been such a good fit for you. Yeah, for sure. So CEO of LU, uh, we are a leader in sales development, as you mentioned. Um, but I, I, I'm not a founder of this company. I did start my own company around a school and ran a successful staffing, executive recruiting, sales training business for 10 years. And it kept me on the road all the time. And I was looking for something that would you know, get me off the road. I was about to be a dad. So I wanted to be home around, at least around. Uh, and so I found this company called Inside Sales Team. Uh, and I said, oh, wow, that's an amazing title. It's exactly what I'm looking for. And that was about a decade ago. And so I was looking to come on board and, and really help build a team with my background in executive recruiting. And, and it was interesting. The SDR function was really coming alive at that point. And one of the clients, as you mentioned, you know, was Zoom Info back then, Discover Org, uh, came to us and said, hey, we want to you know, be a huge data provider and we need some SDRs. We didn't even know what the heck an SDR was because it was still coming together, right? That just that title in itself. And so we really got into it. And over the last 10 years, I've uh, been with the company, uh, started off in, in the director of people role and then moved into, you know, taking over uh, for our founder and uh, now I'm CEO. So it's a little bit about my background and super excited about what we've been doing over the last 10 years. Yeah, awesome. What's, you know, something that I think would be helpful because you manage such a large, you know, SDR org, you've worked with mm -hmm. so many different companies with different value propositions, different, you know, right. approaches, and you, you know, you have to train people. Many of your people are even fractional. So you might have someone doing 20 hours um, with one company and 20 hours with another. What, what do you feel like is the quickest way to onboard the, like, how do you give those SDRs, all the tools they need to be successful as quickly as possible, considering all the different value props, all the different industries, what, what's kind of your go-to motion there? For sure. So there's a lot of, I would quote unquote this, uh, agencies out there that attempt to say they are a lead gen firm. Most of them are very small and that's great. I'm, there's a very low barrier of entry to get into this space. There's a lot of companies do we do. What sets us apart is, you know, doing this for 15 years and being as big as we are is that we are very different when it comes to the, you know, approach to onboarding. 
you know, a lot of agencies out there just booking meetings with generic prospects to, you know, with a generic, you know, pitch with a generic value prop and really passing those meetings over, calling them qualified leads. And unfortunately, they're not. In our world, we are really a tailored, bespoke, fully white labeled SDR firm, meaning that from email, from LinkedIn, from the, the, the entire talk track to, to the knowledge uh, our SDRs have is they are truly an extension of our clients. You know, the only difference is we're running it and, and stacking it with the best support tech and data behind it. But the reality is, is when someone gets a phone call from one of our SDRs, they have zero idea of who, who they are other than they are fully branded with that client, with that client. Uh, see, I'm, I'm, what I mean by that is they have zero idea they're coming from us. They're, they're coming on behalf of that client. And so we spend a good three to four weeks uh, fully training, fully onboarding, fully ingesting all of the things we need to put that entire playbook together. And we customize the playbook for our clients so they can go ahead and be proud and excited to have our reps speak on their behalf uh, without any uh, hesitation. So that's what, that's what our approach is to the onboarding process. Very cool. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, we, we've talked with other SDR agencies or groups, kind of however, you know, they label themselves. And it's been interesting to kind of see, like, you know, pull back the curtain on such a large organization, which would be hard enough to manage with one value prop, let alone all the different customers and how you kind of manage all those people. So it's really interesting to see kind of the inner workings of that. What, you know, we, we were talking about dialing a minute ago before hopping on the podcast and how really that's where a big opportunity is because, People come, it's, it's a muscle that is getting flexed less and less. And so those that can develop it actually can do really well with it. Is that something you'd, you'd confirm around kind of when salespeople are thinking, how do I do outbound calling, you know, that cold calling or just the phone should really be a big part of that? Absolutely. I mean, our leads that we're sending over qualified appointments to our clients, uh, 80 to 85% of them that we're booking are all through the phone. So 20 to 15% are done via LinkedIn or done via email cold, like straight up, like getting the meeting from there. Now, LinkedIn and email channels are powerful, but the way we approach it and the way we look at it is just really warming up the call. And it's just essentially teeing up the call that we are looking to get on the phone with. Because as soon as we get on the phone and connect with that prospect, that's where the magic happens and that's where the call to action happens and that's where the value is and that's where we get the best, uh, not only the, the amount of meetings, but also the ones that are the most qualified and the most excited to talk to our clients. And so the phone is by far still king in this world, no matter what anyone tells you. Uh, everything I say is backed by uh, thousands of data points that are happening every single minute at our company. Um, but if you look at the big orgs like the Zoom Info teams or you know the Oracle teams or the uh, you know Salesforce teams that have massive SDR teams like ours, phone is still the number one channel to get a meeting fully executed and booked on an appointment. Yeah, I love that. What's um, do you, is it kind of any order of things, or do you find that once you've made a connection? on LinkedIn, or you've made a, you've sent one message and there was a response, then you kind of go use your phone number credit on whatever platform you're getting data from and, and try to make a call or kind of what's your, what's your, what are the steps you, you tell your SDRs to take when, to reach that kind of golden point of making the phone call? 
Yeah. Well, we do it opposite of what most people would assume. Like most people would put them in an, a sequence. They would start off with an email and then they would call and say, hey, I sent you that email, right? It's actually not what we do. We do the exact opposite. If we can call them and get them on the phone first and then put them into a sequence is actually the best way to do it. Um, however, if for some reason we're not able to get that conversation going out of a, a, a couple of attempts, then we're going to go ahead and start putting them into a message-based sequence a lot, uh, in parallel with phone calls to make that happen. But if we can engage with them on a phone call as opposed to just littering them or spamming them with a bunch of messages, that's really the most ideal way to do it, uh, to get the most bang for your buck right out of the gates on a, on a straight cold lead. Um, but that's, that's how we, uh, that's how we do it. Very cool. What's, what's been the process on LinkedIn? Cause I mean, yes, email sure. is so fascinating cause you know, this inbox and how many emails can you send a day and, and, you know, you can kind of send them from even, <laughs> you know, fake inboxes. It's kind of yeah. this wild, wild west world. Now we have social selling and LinkedIn and mm -hmm. from what we've been hearing and what we're also doing, ourselves is so much based on that social selling, build connections. You see someone's face on the computer screen in front of you, you know, who you're talking to, how has that kind of worked into your process now? I'm glad you asked. Cause we've actually taken a significant pivot over the last 12 months on this. I don't know if we want to call it a pivot, more of a doubling down. Mm -hmm. Um, just personally, it's kind of my own timing. Like I, I've been always an operator, right? So I've been operating the business and wasn't in the C-level CEO spot. So I would have been operating and I personally just didn't have the time to even entertain LinkedIn in any capacity um, for our brand other than using it to, you know, prospect and, and, you know, using it to research people. But what we did last year is we said, hey, listen, we're going to double down on LinkedIn and create content. And we went from two posts a week to now I'm posting literally every single day. And we've put a team around it now too, where I hired a full-time videographer and she, all she does right now is make videos for LinkedIn and across all of our salespeople, all of our AEs and our leadership team, we're posting, I think 36 posts a week right now. So we are going all in on LinkedIn. And the reasoning for it is you may think, well, oh, you, you're just, you know, you can do that or you have a team. The reality is like our SDRs can live inside our LinkedIn. So I have an SDR in my LinkedIn profile. And they are, you know, reaching out, prospecting and, and are mm -hmm. the front of the lines on my behalf. And then once the conversation starts and it gets to the point where business acumen and sophistication needs to come into the conversation, mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and start engaging even more specifically. So why does that all matter? Because that's what we're doing for our clients as well. So we can we are telling our founder led sales teams or our teams who have you know, people that could be subject matter experts on LinkedIn to put together phenomenal content and let us utilize our SDRs into that LinkedIn uh, content, leverage that content to engage. And again, meetings for sure are getting booked off of it, but it's also about creating the trust, creating the credibility. And when a prospecting call happens and you say, hey, have you heard of, you know, LU before? The answer is yes, and hopefully a yes in a positive way. And the meeting is just almost second nature at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I think playbooks we've, we've heard too, are just about, you know, liking and commenting on people's comments and there's, you know, you, yeah. you have the ability to give them that, that quick little endorphin rush and, and, you know, just kind of get connected with them, show some support. And that also furthers, you know, a potential meeting relationship, whatever that, 
you know, formulate. Yeah, you don't need to be a Gary Vaynerchuk, right, of social of yeah. LinkedIn. I'm saying like you don't have to post a thousand times a day or you don't have to be, you know, a content king. But if you have a network and you're posting things, not just resharing um, and, and, and clever about it, intentional about it, people see that stuff, whether they like it or comment on it or not, they're going to see it. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, a good thing from a sales leader's perspective to be arming their SDRs with it. There's right now over 789,000 profiles on LinkedIn right now with the title SDR. So if you think about the amount of SDRs that are competing for your time, whether you're, they're a true competitor of yours or not, it's just they're booking time, right? The amount of people doing that, it's, it's, it's watering down the entire process. So if you're an executive, a sales leader, share that and then accompany and help your SDRs get those meetings on the calendar. That That's the way we're approaching and it's working. Yeah. Do you, um, interesting side question. Do you, do you have your SDRs label themselves as, as SDRs on LinkedIn? Uh, we actually have changed up the title to make it more sophisticated, but it's still not, you know, a smoke and mirrors. Uh, we really right. like account development manager or account development executive, which really is what it is. Cause if you think about AE, right? Account executive, we're, we're looking at accounts. Um, I don't even like the word sales, even though I run a sales agency, right? It just sounds. <laughs> People are just gun shy right. about the word sales, right. but right. everyone likes to buy, you know, no one likes salespeople, but everyone likes to buy. So salespeople are very much important and required, of course. But at the end of the day, I think something that's a little bit more sophisticated and sets you apart a little bit more, creates that credibility, I think is important. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We've been, we've been playing around with some different titles, go to market, different, different things that t absolutely have the same definition of being involved with deals and accounts and, and just moving things forward. But, but yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, while, while SDR may in the grand scheme of things still be a, be a relatively new role or ac um, acronym in, in, you know, business world, it is one that people kind of feel like, okay, I'm definitely going to be asked to get on a call here in a few, you know, in a few messages back and forth. So we found well, some success kind of labeling those well, differently. Yeah. What's even interesting is that, you know, SDR was created by SaaS and tech companies. So SDRs, you know, is a, is a normal name for the role in that space. But now, especially with the downturn of the economy, a lot of these VPs of sales at these SaaS and tech companies are moving industries, right, to find new, new employment and new opportunities. And they're moving into these more maybe blue collar or more, you know, verticals and industries that have never taken or know anything about the SDR role. And they go to their CRO and they say, hey, where's your SDR team? And they're like, what's an SDR? And so it's funny because I'm on the phone with CEOs and founders of industries that are not tech and, uh, and, and software and having to actually educate them what the, the definition of the role even is. So I think, you know, defining it in the way in which pro probably represents your business the most is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. I think that makes a lot of sense. What's been your take on, obviously you manage an SDR org. I'm sure a lot of um, founders, business leaders come to you and they're, they're trying to, they're kind of trying to figure out that AE side of things as well. And, and the trend that we keep hearing is more and more people going to full cycle. How has that changed kind of your organization being the SDR support now that there's more AEs kind of expected to, um, kill what they eat and, and things like, like, has that kind of changed how you model your business at all? Or how is it changing the, the industry as a whole as well? 
What's interesting is a lot of companies are doing that. They're terminating, terminating their SDR teams and asking their AEs to do more self-sourcing and more prospecting. Um, it's backfiring. What we're seeing of that, mm. that decision to backfire a lot right now uh, for three reasons. One, there are some AEs out there that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I don't know if you ever met one, but <laughs> there's a little yeah. bit of entitlement Never. going on, right? Uh, because sure. they're like, ah, I'm not going to get back into the weeds and prospect. I, I, I used to do that. I'm, I'm an AE now. So I appreciate it. I truly do. But if we're being asking them to go back to prospecting, you're going to get some pushback or people just are not willing to do it. For the ones who are willing to actually do it because they know they should have never left that in the first place because you should never rely on an SDR to book all your appointments for you. But those individuals, unfortunately, you're asking them to spend a lot of time prospecting right now and they're getting away from the deals that they need to be focusing on. So they are now really fragmented and that's, you know, turbulent at best. And then the other ones in situations are they're realizing, okay, we're firing all of our SDRs. We're asking our AEs to do it, but we still need more meetings. And the reality is, is that maybe an agency, not to tout what we do, but a lot of companies are really going to agencies in all different aspects of the business, whether it's an outsourced accounting firm or an outsourced HR firm or an outsourced marketing agency. They're really going to other, you know, specialties and other divisions with that that are outsourced to help do that at a better price point or at a, maybe a less uh, time investment so they can get it back on on track. But we are seeing AEs right now uh, spending a lot more time prospecting. And I think the way for them to be successful is to leverage the enablement piece, right? Is with data, technology, tools, software, what's out there that can help these AEs get what they're being asked to do now more effectively than uh, they used to. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, yeah, just, just be flexible and, and make adjustments. Cause I think that's, yeah, you're just gonna have to figure out what works for your business. I know there's a lot of groups that just they're, they're holding on to that SDR to AE to enterprise AE, that kind of growth, um, level. I, I was reading some great posts today around, a um, inbound SDR kind of level before going to AE too. There's a lot of different ways to kind of yeah people advance in the org, a lot of different ways to, um, do it for sure. Um, how do you feel with with SDRs and getting, you know, again, I mentioned at the beginning, just so many different value propositions and how to approach things. Do you find when when people share their ICPs with you, a lot of times they're pretty underbaked and you know that they're not going to be very successful targeting that? And do, do you jump in and kind of help with that? And And have you found, and maybe this is a tough question to answer, but have you found like companies that have specific roles do better as an ICP? And I know you can get a very granular on this, so I'm staying pretty 10,000 feet, but more around targeting roles or more around targeting industries? You know what I mean? Is it like what what types of groups that come to you find the most success with an identified ICP? So the answer is yes to all of those. So to break it down, we are very fanatical about who we take on as a client. Um, I know that Everyone would like to say that, but the reality is, is we have to fulfill a lot of things in order for that client to be happy. And if we don't truly drill down on what that specifically is, or if they're even qualified, then we wouldn't, we would just be honest and like, this doesn't make sense for us to do that. And here's what you need to come back to us to do it. And we say that humbly. And what I mean by that is the first thing that we do is to determine the ICP. So we do a data review. It's a free data review assessment with 
to determine what exactly their ICP is and to break out their total addressable market with our all of our data providers. And we do that before we even engage on any type of agreement. And our clients love it because they know before we even sign the dotted line, what is this going to look like for us? And then we kind of work backwards from there. So it all starts with the list, right? If the data in the list and the account base is bad or not where we thought it was going to be or not as high volume as we want to put a team together for, that's where we started with. We don't look at budget. We don't look at headcount. We don't look at anything other than the data. And we make sure that the ICP is, is drilled down. We work together with the prospect, future hopeful client to, to do that. And then once we feel comfortable about it, they feel comfortable about it, then we'll start to build a team around that as the, you know, the, the center point of truth, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah, that for sure. I, I love that you help, you know, a company identify that ICP. It, I'm from what I've gathered with groups, um, you know, like the one at Alley but just it's so helpful to have the company that you engage with to kind of have a fairly large customer base to kind of understand what's been working, how long have they been customers, you identify kind of the best customer that they've already got, mm-hmm. if they haven't already done that exercise, which hopefully they would have. And it's a little tougher for for companies that don't really have a brand, like very early stage companies, it's hard to just plug in four SDRs working 40 hours a week and, and go to find success. Do you find that a little right. bit more established companies, uh, it's a better fit? Well, it's about what the client is looking for. You know, going back to the ICP, like they may not know what their ICP is. Yeah. They may not know if they have a product market fit yet. So we have no problem engaging if knowing the outcome is to determine those two things. And we have, you know, short, punchy, half resource projects. And the reality is, is, hey, we're looking for those two things. We're not looking to get meetings and close business, even though that's majority of what people want, majority of what we do. But the reality is like, it may be, hey, what's the product market fit look like? What does the ICP look like? And we can run engagements, more of market research type engagements, utilizing SDR campaigns to determine those things. But yeah, to your point, once those two things are then determined, it's best to then build, you know, multi SDR, you know, robust campaign with something that has all that baked out already for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Gabe, we typically ask, I mean, obviously the podcast, great day in sales. We always ask um, our guests, what does a great day in sales look like to you? And the, and the interesting angle I'd, I'd also just kind of give it some color is, you know, it's not every day you get to close the six or seven figure deals. And maybe in the SDR world, you know, you don't you don't hit that mark every single day on how many, you know, demos to set or how many conversations you have. Um, So with that in mind, you know, what what does a great day in sales look like to you? It's funny. Most people, I'm sure, would answer. Oh, when you like you said, you mentioned I closed the biggest deal that I was hoping for. My my, my whale got. got, Yep. Yeah. I don't look at it like that. You know, I'm a numbers guy, you know. So I, you know, I look at, here's my analogy and I may digress a second here on this story, but, you know, sales to us is like a cooking a bag of popcorn in a microwave. If you take a bag of popcorn, you put in the microwave, how long does it take to cook it? Everyone says three minutes. Hmm. Well, that's true. But if I said to you, if I cooked it for a minute, took it out, looked at it, inspect it, you know, checked it to make sure it was working and then put it back in for a minute and then took it out and checked it, make sure it was working, did it for another minute, there would be not one kernel that popped. 
So the answer is not three minutes. The answer is three consistent minutes. And that's where the magic happens, right? And it's like sales. If you look at a quarter, you got 90 days, you got three months, you got three minutes. The first month, nothing's going to pop. The second month, a few kernels will start to pop. And then the third month, holy shit, you got a bag of popcorn. So the reality is, is how do you have a good day? Well, you have to make sure you hit your activity metrics every single day. Don't look at your results until after the 90 days. Don't look at the bag of popcorn until after three minutes have been popped. Uh, three minutes have been you know, consistently put in into work. So I look at it as break down what those metrics are in order to get the result you're looking for. But no, it's, it's delayed gratification in sales, right? So if you had a good day where you hit every single activity benchmark that you know is going to produce the results at the end of those 90 days and you hit it with with you know a ton of commitment and a ton of passion, that to me is a good day. You may have not booked anything, you may not have closed anything, but if you put in the work that over time is going to compound into those results you're looking for mathematically, I think that's still a good day. I love that example. I'm, I've never regretted, regretted asking that question on the podcast. Always great, great answers. And uh, popping popcorn does take three minutes of consecutive magic in that uh, in that microwave, not just one minute at a time. I love that visual. It's, I'm just I'm still picturing popcorn in a in a microwave. So appreciate that, Gabe. Thank you for kind of the walkthrough on how things work and how to manage, you know, SDR agent, uh, whether you're working with an agency or your own SDR team, kind of the future of full cycle AE roles, things like that. And then obviously the, I, I hope everyone kind of finishes this podcast thinking about how to keep, how to keep that microwave on, right? How do you not let the right. microwave turn off to make sure that things are popping by uh, month three or after three minutes in the microwave? I, I really love that visual. So we, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Justin. Great to have uh, be on here. And uh, yeah, love work with you, man. Okay. Thanks, Gabe. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Great Day in Sales podcast. Check us out at podcast.alicio.ai or anywhere you stream podcasts.